Hello, lovers, and welcome to Nutrition Nuptials Podcast, where we help couples go from a me to a we. A couple of announcements before we get into today's episode, and that is on Wednesday, September 5th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, I am going to be doing my very first Ask a Dietitian Facebook Live series in our VIP after party group. And there's really only one way that you can get a ticket to the after party, and that is being a Patreon supporter. Anyone who is a supporter over on Patreon gets free access to the VIP party and the Ask a Dietitian Facebook Live series. So head on over to patreon.com slash nutrition nuptials to get your ticket to the VIP after party. The Nutrition Nuptials Podcast with Taco and Mandy, where we're helping couples learn how to live their happily, healthfully ever after. It's a judgment-free zone. Welcome to the Nutrition Nuptials Podcast, where we help couples learn how to live their happily, healthfully ever after. Whether you're newly wed, engaged, or single, everyone can benefit from some good habits. I'm your host, Mandy Enright, a registered dietitian who hates diets, and I am joined this week and every week by my one and only Taco. Hola, amigos. What's going on, Taco? Nothing, you know, got another podcast under our belts. Last week's was pretty good, so let's see if we can keep it going. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So you get just Taco and Mandy today. I hope you enjoyed our very first double date episode, and we have a few more of those coming on down the road, so stay tuned for who's going to be our guest that we'll be dating with. But today you're stuck with Taco and Mandy, and we are talking today about something that feels very timely. I'm on my Facebook feeds right now, and I am seeing a lot of friends dropping their kids off at college this week. This is the week. There's people at the gym who are going to college, too. Are they still going to be at the gym? Like, no, are they locals? No, I think they're all kind of saying sayonara and heading out. Sailing off. To different places, yep. So I think that's actually really cool because I never belonged to a gym when I was in high school. And I think that's cool that you have these kids that are already super active and doing these this pretty intense exercise and, and fitness at such a young age. So we will definitely have to talk about that All right. another time in a future podcast episode. These ambitious high school athletes, that's basically what they are. Hey, Great for them, and it's good that they have those habits in place even before they're going off to college. So this is, as I said, move-in week or weekend, however you want to think about it. And it got me thinking back to our time in, in school. Not together, we went to separate colleges, but it got me thinking about how college is really your first time that you're away, you're on your own. If, if you did live uh, away from home or go away to school and not near home and commuting and you had the opportunity to really live on your own and have what we'll call the quote unquote full college experience. You know, you definitely had the opportunity to get exposed to a lot of things, try a lot of new things. I'm really talking about food here and <laughs> I mean there's other stuff too. It's a time for a lot of firsts and even if they're not firsts, it's a time to kind of, you know, do things on your own. Exactly. And really, the most important thing is that there is nobody to tell you what to do. However, you are most likely living with another person in super close quarters at this time as well. Yeah. And somebody from outside your family. Yes. Now, before you went to college, did you share a room with anyone else? Yes. Yeah. Shared a room with my brother before going to school. 
So you were already prepared to be living with another person in the room. Yeah, but it wasn't, you know, again, it's uh, it's the first time it's somebody that you're really not familiar with. So did you actually have a chance to meet or talk to your roommate before? You I think we had a, so for my freshman year roommate, we had a phone call and like he had like a list of questions. He had an older sister that went away to school. So like she prepared him with like the list of mm. questions to ask. And do you remember what some of those questions were? I don't. I would imagine that they had to do with things like bedtime, like, you know, when do you get up? When do you like to go to bed? Things like that. He was pretty well prepared, I remember. And then like we were trying to coordinate the important things like, do you have a TV? I have a TV. How Super about, important. How about a radio? Yeah, I got a radio. All right, cool. You bring the TV, the radio, I'll bring, you know, whatever. He had a fridge. And so, like, we had, we coordinated between ourselves who was going to bring what. So it sounds like you guys had it all down pat. You had the super dude dorm room at that point then. We had, we covered all the bases, for sure. There, you know, we wouldn't, we didn't have any major needs. Where did you wind up going to college and why did you decide to go there? Oh, boy. So I went to St. Joseph's University in Philadelphia. I decided to go there for a number of reasons. I think probably at the top of the list were I wanted to go to, to a school that was near a city. It didn't have to necessarily be in, you know, so St. Joe's isn't necessarily in downtown Philadelphia or anything like that. But it was a short train ride away. It was easy enough to get into the city and get to do different things. That was one reason. I actually had an, a particular, St. Joe's is a Jesuit university. And I did have a particular affinity for that because I had an appreciation for... Because you had 8 million years of Catholic schooling? Well, but that didn't mean I had to choose a Jesuit institution. I could have chosen any Catholic school or any other school. And what exactly does Jesuit mean for, I'm going to say for me <sighs> yeah. and for our listeners? Okay, so if I could summarize it as succinctly as I can, they are essentially the most liberal order of Catholic priests. You know, there's a lot more details that are probably boring. <laughs> I'm All right, go so... Into so you have an affinity for the Jesuits. You chose a Jesuit school. Yeah. And was this the only Jesuit school you looked at, or did you look at others as well? Uh, it was the only Jesuit school I did. I had also, it's not a Jesuit school, but I had also looked at Seton Hall. I had looked at, my fallback was a, a local college nearby. And so, like, those were basically the main schools that, you know, I narrowed things down to, or at least applied to. I'd looked at schools like Drew University and, and things like that, which wasn't in any way a Catholic school. It was just, you know, it had, it was pretty decent at the time, so. And what made you ultimately choose St. Joe's? It was always my number one. You know, from, I guess, I went for an open house after my junior year of college, or maybe it was either right after or right before my junior year, I can't really remember. But it was the first campus that I visited. And I remembered thinking when I was on the campus, like, ah, okay, yeah, this meets all my expectations for what a college campus should be like. It checks all the boxes. And at the time, I wasn't overly impressed. I was just like, yeah, okay, this is what college is and what it feels like to be on a college campus. But then when I had gone to the other schools, some of which I mentioned and some maybe I didn't, I kept on comparing them back to St. Joe's. And I, you know, I, there was always something that didn't quite measure up. So from the very beginning, it was pretty much my number one choice. And then it was just a matter of whether or not I could afford to go and get the right amount of money in terms of scholarship and things like that. So enough about me. Why don't you talk about your selection of school and your thought process and where was Penn State on your list and things like that? Yeah, so I will definitely say Penn State was not even a blip on the radar. For me, it was I wanted to go down south. So my oldest brother had gone away to school at Arizona State, and he wound up 
graduating, living there, getting married, never came home. And that was like devastating to my mom. She's like, I cannot lose another kid to the West Coast. And then she basically made it into anywhere that is a really, really warm climate. So that meant obviously anything, you know, California, Arizona, that was all out. Florida was out. So basically I was like, okay, then North or South Carolina is it because that's as far south as I'm allowed to go where it's still going to be warm. And that was where I had my heart set on. I knew I wanted to go to a big state school because I came from a very small town. I think there was about 200 of us. Everybody had known everybody's business since kindergarten. So I wanted to go somewhere that was big where I could be my own person and really have the opportunity to start anew and, and not really know a lot of people. For me, that was very attractive. The reinvention of Mandy. Well, and growing up, so this is a fun fact for listeners. Growing up, if you ever meet anybody from Holmdale, New Jersey, and you say, hey, do you know Amanda? They would know who that is. If anyone were to go back now, anyone I've met from college on, and they said, hey, do you know Mandy Unansky? I wasn't, you know, obviously Enright is, is a newer name. Do you know Mandy Unansky? They'd be like, no. No idea who that is. For me, it was always, you know, growing up, everyone called me Amanda and four other Amandas in my class. And I was kind of like, I didn't feel that it, it stood out enough. And I, I loved Mandy and my, my parents always called me Mandy. But it's something that's really hard to change your name when you're in school. Well, even when I met you, right, when you when people are already used to calling you something, because when even when I met you and we didn't meet until few years after college for each of us, your friends that you were still basically your best friends from high school and maybe even grade school were still calling you Amanda, even though I had already met you as Mandy. Yeah, no, they all do. They all still call me Amanda. They all find it really weird to call me Mandy. That is why going to a big school was super on my tops on my list so I could, you know, go in. I I didn't pick a big school just so I could be called Mandy. I I picked big schools for other reasons. The other funny thing is I really wanted to go to a basketball school. I was super into March Madness, Sweet 16. I I used to do awesome in my dad's work (laughs) brackets. So I was like, I'm going to one of these schools. And I remember for the longest time, it was, I was all about Duke. I wanted to go to Duke. And then when I decided I really wanted to major in advertising, started doing the research on schools that offered advertising. Unfortunately, Duke wasn't on the list, but North Carolina, UNC Chapel Hill was. So then it was just Chapel Hill or bust. And I did research some of the other schools in the area. So I remember I wound up applying to uh, University of South Carolina. I'm trying to, NC State, maybe I think Maryland I applied to also. And I was like, well, I'll just apply to these schools, but I'm going to go to Chapel Hill. Like, that is where I'm going to go. So how did Penn State factor into it? We'll get to that. One of the things about Chapel Hill, though, is that it is probably one of the hardest schools to get into as an out-of-stater. So between University of Virginia and Chapel Hill, those are both notorious, have much, much higher, higher standards than what they require for the in-state folks. And I remember we were on the campus tour, and... You know, they're telling us all these things like, you know, crazy high SAT scores and a college essay that's going to keep me awake on a cold night. All this nonsense. And I remember my parents kind of being like, yeah, it's a nice school. It's a good school, but let's look, you know, some other places. And my dad worked with somebody at the time and he had maybe a daughter who went to Penn State or had just graduated from Penn State. And he was always talking about how much she loved Penn State. Loved it, loved it, loved it. And I was like, yeah, you know, it sounds great, but it's somewhere that's 
hold. And it's way too close to home. I mean, granted, it was like four hours away from home, but I was like, no, no, no. Like, I want to go far away, south, not nearby. So my parents are like, all right, well, let's, you know, go out, go on the campus tour. We'll go see it. And then we went and I, I saw it and I was like, okay, this is great. I think the other reason, too, I was less fond of going to Penn State was the class that was a year ahead of me. I think like 13 or 15 kids from that class wound up going to Penn State. So I think that was the other thing, too, is it kind of took away from my desire to not go to a school with a whole bunch of other people from my high school. That's why Rutgers wasn't really an option. I didn't want to go to 13th grade Mm -hmm. at a local college. So, you know, looking at Penn State, I was like, yeah, it's great and all. So we'll go and apply. And then that was actually the first school I heard from that I got my acceptance back. And my father was over the moon. He could not. He was just so excited. I got into Penn State. However... I got into Penn State on one condition. I had to start in the summer. Mm -hmm. And I was super upset about that because it's your summer of senior year of high school. Mm -hmm. And I was so looking forward to, I had my license. We lived by the beach. I was working, I don't know, at the Gap or something. So I was like, you know, days off and hanging with the friends and going out after work. Like, that's what I was really looking forward to that summer. And when I got accepted to Penn State for the first summertime, I was like, no. It's not happening. (laughs) Not doing it. And then the other acceptances came in. I got accepted to all the other schools I applied to except for University of Chapel Hill. Mm -hmm. So now it was time to figure out where I really wanted to go. And when we went back and kind of looked at the other schools we looked at, I was kind of like, okay, I'm not like super in love with any of them. So my dad basically went, you're going to Penn State. And I think he just sent the check in one day. I remember I think I was at the point where I was between NC State and Penn State. And my dad was like, you're going to Penn State. Like he was telling people for months I was going to Penn State, even though I had never, ever sent a check in. I had never confirmed. I had never signed anything. He decided I was going to Penn State. And God damn it, I wound up loving it there. Mm-hmm. Classic bud. <laughs> he recommends something. I fight him on it. And at the end, I wound up absolutely loving Penn State. So there you go. All is well that ends well. Exactly. So now when you got to school, what was your living situation throughout college? So did you do dorm all four years? So I did on-campus housing all four years. Uh, the first two years were two different dorm buildings and a situation where, you, you know, it's just myself and one other person for those first two years. And then I got, you know, you start meeting your friends and stuff like that. And so for junior, senior year, basically had a core group of guys that we had an on-campus apartment together and, you know, with multiple rooms or whatever. And, you know, a big living room, which was great for all the, you know, movies and playing video games and stuff that guys do or did. I'm assuming they still do that. You know, it it had a kitchen in it, which did get used. I wouldn't say that any of us were master chefs or anything like that. I think the first weekend we moved in junior year, we had like a family dinner or something like that. And I don't know, we all pitched in. What did you make? I have no idea. But we all did everybody make something? I I, probably not, because I think our levels of abilities were all in different places. So I honestly couldn't tell you. We probably ate at that dining room table in the dining room, which basically became somebody's office where they did all their work. I think that was the only time we ever used it that way for all the roommates together. There was a, we also had a family dinner outing at the Olive Garden nearby, which was far more memorable. I'm not even sure I can tell some of the stories from that dinner, but that was like one of the other family dinners that we had. We went out for dinner. Maybe we had learned from the first experience. So really, even though you lived with four other people, 
you really didn't spend time eating, dining together. You kind of were no. all on your own. You know, we were all really active. We were all in different activities. Some of us overlapped, you know, an activity here or there. But like when, for me, I was in the work study program, so I had a job. I, you know, at any given point in time throughout the academic year, I could be in two or three different activities. I was on the student union board, which did campus programming and events and, you know, the fun stuff, not like student government and just like other things. So like, and that was just me and like every other guy in my apartment that I was friends with, they were all doing their own things. Right. So like maybe we, the five of us would be in the same place at the same time for like five minutes, you know, in any given day. So we were very transient in and out. And then that, even though it was technically an on-campus apartment, it was a little bit further away or separated from like where all the main activities would be like your classes and meetings, you know, in the evenings and things like that. So I might leave the apartment at seven or eight o'clock in the morning for my first class or to go get a few hours of work in and then like classes, have lunch down there, go to meetings after classes, maybe get some homework or studying done at the library or something like that and then come home and, or dinner and then come home and it might be 10 o'clock at night. So would you say you probably ate more on or off campus? I ate more on campus uh, all throughout the four years, just because there wasn't really time to do anything else necessarily. So there were a lot of meals in the cafeteria for sure. So I want to go back to your freshman year dorm. Now, did you have like the classic freshman dorm where it's, this is my side, this is your side? Yeah, more or less. A room that's way too small for two people. I guess the one thing that it had going for it was it was a suite. I think there were six rooms in the suite, but we shared like a bathroom and we shared like a common area that we didn't really hang out in, but it did give you some place to go if you needed to like, if your roommate was listening to music, but you needed to be quiet, you could go out to the common area and usually it was quiet out there, things like that. So, but yeah, it was the class. Otherwise it was the classic setup of your side of the room, my side of the room. Yeah, that's nice. I don't, Nowhere I, none of the dorms I ever lived on at Penn State had like a suite set up. Mm-hmm. So they were all very classic, like row of rooms, yep. bathroom in the middle, row of rooms on the other side. And then I think every floor, or every other floor had a lounge area in it. Now, there was a lot of times that lounge area was converted into living space for people until mm-hmm. all the dorm rooms were sorted out. So then those were knocked out of commission for a while. Yeah, something similar happened to us at St. Joe's, too, where, you know, uh, it wasn't that we were accepting more people. It was that more people were deciding More to people go. were accepting the school. Right. And so then all of a sudden, we didn't have any places to put them. So there were people living in two-bedroom rooms that were three people in the room. And then the same thing in the common areas, those got converted into living spaces as well. So we had something very similar. Actually, that just reminded me. So that summer I wound up going to to Penn State. I was in the summer program and they put us in one of the more older, and we're going to say nicer dorms at Penn State. And I remember moving in and my roommate and I are looking, we're like, this room is massive. We have this corner room. There were two beds. We had a walk-in closet. We were the only room on that entire floor that Mm. had it. So we're like, we're pretty sure this is probably a triple. And somehow we scored this corner room for two of us. And you never got a third roommate? No. All right. Lucky you. It was summer session. So we were in our program and it was a very, you know, set program where there's X number of people in it. You were, it was called, I think, what was it called? It was the LEAP program. And you, because we're Penn State and Nittany Lions, you had your little pride. So there Mm. were other people and there were mostly people either on your 
floor, either on the floor or in that same wing, I guess, of, of where you are. Um, so that was how we got to meet people. But everybody would always come by our rooms. We always kept the door open. That was like one of the first mm. things we were always told was like, leave the door open so that you could meet people. Right. People would poke their head in. And I remember every single person the first weekend we moved in poked their head in. They're like, do you have a walk-in closet? <laughs> so we did. The other cool thing that we finagled was you learned that if you could get a doctor's note for a medical condition like asthma, you could score an air conditioner because you didn't get air conditioners and it was really hot mm-hmm. at summertime at Penn State. So yeah. we scored an air conditioner also. Because of your asthma? Because of my asthma. <laughs> there you go. So let me just say it was a shock going from that room <laughs> To my actual freshman dorm room, because, yes, that was your traditional teeny tiny room. My side, your side, it was like literally one little strip in between Mm -hmm. and tiny, tiny closet, which made me really, really sad. Mm -hmm. Peasant like the rest of us freshman year. It was, it was an adjustment. That was the harder adjustment, I think, <laughs> than if I had gone from, Spoiled. like, my home to that room. Do you remember freshman year how your dorm room was decorated? Like, like certain oh, posters? Like, did, can you recall the posters oh, that you had? You know what? I don't remember posters so much, but I do remember bringing a ton of pictures. Like, uh, I had the desk, and maybe it had, like, a corkboard back, back to it or something like that. But, so I either, I kind of think I had, like, the cork in the back, and I could stick up pictures with thumbtacks. And so, like, I just had a ton of pictures from high school, basically, my high school years, and all my friends and all the things that we did and all that. That's what I remember the most. I don't, I'm not saying we didn't or that I didn't have posters. I just don't really remember them. I remember more like growing up, but not went away to school. I think it was a bigger deal for me because I was not allowed to have posters growing up. My Mm. mom was very set on what could be hung on the walls and no holes or anything. So I was super excited to be able to have posters and express myself. Mm -hmm. And what was it, a a unicorn farting a rainbow or something? No. (laughs) That would be what I'd have now. Right, okay. No, at that point, I was very much into my Jersey-ness. Uh-huh. So, and I I loved, I loved, loved, loved indie movies at the time. And at that point, it was all about Kevin Smith movies Mm -hmm. because uh, Clerks. Clerks. I think by that point, Chasing Amy was probably, no, I think by that point, Chasing Amy was probably the most current Kevin Smith movie at the time. So I remember, and I I went to the comic book store here in Red Bank, New Jersey, and bought like the legit posters. Mm -hmm. So I got, like, I remember having a Clerks poster. I think I had a Chasing Amy poster. No Bruce or Bon Jovi? No, that came later. And then I actually wound up having a Swingers poster because I had watched Swingers and I was super excited, uh, super obsessed with it at, at that point. Good in for high you. School. All right. At least one of the, you got some classics there. Yeah. I think the only reason I remember it is because I was like, I always like took care of them at, at the end of the year, like taking them down and rolling them up and keeping them really safe. My other memory is my roommate was obsessed with, at this time, Dawson's Creek was really popular. Obsessed with Katie Holmes. Like, wanted to be Katie Holmes when she grew up, and she actually looked a little bit like her, too. So her side of the room was Katie Holmes posters. Not even Dawson's Creek. Not even Dawson's Creek. Katie Holmes. No, I wouldn't have given anything for a Dawson or a Pacey to be staring at me. (laughs) Were you a Dawson or a Pacey kind of girl? I have to be honest, I could not get into Dawson's Creek. Couldn't get into it. So you didn't like either of the guys? No. Okay. Well, that's fine. I didn't watch the show enough to be able to How be like... How about a 90210? Did you have a 90210 character that you... Uh... What was that? Jason Priestley was... Br- Brandon, right? Brandon. Brandon, who was yeah. like the nice guy. All right. Super involved. Like, he was ner- like kind of like nerdy like me. Like, you know, super involved. He was like the newspaper. Yeah, but he was also like the really attractive one that all the girls liked and all, all that. So right. 
that you picked up on the different characteristics. You weren't like, ah, oh, he was so hot and cute or whatever. Well, it's either that or you were like a Luke Perry bad boy. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you went for Brandon. Yes. All right, that was your guy. That would have been my pick for okay. the Manitou and O-Years. Um, and yeah, I guess I'll have to go back and watch some Dawson's Creek to let you know which, which one I would have maybe picked at that point. Who was your 9021 character? Hit us up. Nutrition nuptials. Or Dawson's Creek. <laughs> or Dawson's Creek character. And what posters did you have what hanging in you? your dorm room? Tweet us. So what would you say was some of your biggest learnings when you started living with other people, like your freshman year roommate? Biggest learnings? Or maybe not biggest, just what did you learn about living with another person? You have to choose who you live Start choosing who you live with. <laughs> so I can't say that St. Joe's residence life could call my freshman year pairing a success story. That's probably a black or a red mark for them or whatever. They did do pretty well with my friends, uh, Zach and Brian, who I ended up then living with junior and senior year. But yeah, I mean, like we were just on different wavelengths and whatever. And so it was more like, okay, I've got to pick somebody else that I can see myself, you know, getting along with a little bit better. So did that, made sure I lined that up a little bit better for sophomore year. And then, you know, junior, senior year had the best guys. So did you no find, like, did St. Joe's have a rhyme or reason for how they paired people? Because I feel like at Penn State, it was usually based on major no it wasn't anything like that i don't even remember what his major would have been in mine I and, changed and, and i'm not even saying through. specific major yeah, but, but like, like like your school like i was roomed with a communications person no nothing like that you know there were business school people paired up with college of the arts or arts and sciences people whatever it's called liberal arts i'm sure they had some sort of methodology it wasn't very apparent to the rest of us like how they were choosing who would live with whom? I wasn't in this category, but I think there was like a floor. And this is where a lot of the friends that I became friends with were living on. But it was like kind of like, I don't want to call it the honors floor, but it was like there were specific floors that maybe were, you might have a similar major. So I think there was a bunch of girls that I knew that lived in a bio suite. Yeah, we had something similar to that where it was a different like interests yeah that you could have um, and, and then like the floor. smarty pants kids like had a floor in one of the buildings and but Our i didn't smarty pants got a whole building to themselves somehow ended up in the suite with all the hockey guys which i didn't play hockey so i don't know how i ended up in that suite and another reason why maybe the common room didn't get used that much was all of their hockey gear like and i'm talking like four or five bags for four or five different players would be in that room. So it kind of stank. Mm, stanky yeah. hockey gear. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't spend a whole lot of time in that common room. Fair enough. I yeah. wouldn't want to do that either. Now, food options. Yeah. You mentioned that mostly you probably dined on campus. Yeah. I mean, freshman and sophomore year, I think it was almost exclusively on campus, except for maybe on the weekends, right? Because again, you were busy, you were bouncing from classes to like other activities and things like that. So it was all just right there and it was like easier to just, okay, I'm getting lunch here. And then hanging out and, you know, making plans with friends to go for dinner after that. I would say, Junior, senior year, when it was more of the apartment, there was probably a little bit more off campus, but predominantly for the four years on campus dining. One of the big things that you often hear about is people having the gaining the freshman 15. That's yeah. because you're on your own for the first time and you have the opportunity to really have anything you want mm -hmm. whenever you want it. And most likely you're trying a whole lot of new foods and probably not doing a whole lot of movement, maybe other than walking yeah. to and from classes. Do you recall at maybe the on-campus housing, like, did you have, like, healthy food options in the cafeterias? Yeah, I think there was, like, the traditional salad bar sort of thing. Again, I'm not a, you know, I'll eat a salad. but You don't get excited I'm, by I salad. I don't get excited by them. And then, like, you know, even in the, like, the corporate cafeteria, 
I'm not going to go make my own salad. If there's a prepared salad area where they're going to make the salad for you, I'll go hit that up. I'm pretty sure there was a salad bar. You know, then I probably gravitated more towards like the deli and getting sandwiches. But there was a Pizza Hut. There was a Burger King. And like this was a big deal because I think now it's probably proliferated a little bit more. But back then in my day, if you had like branded food companies in your cafeteria, that was like a big deal. For us, it wasn't wasn't in the cafeteria. Like we had like your traditional cafeterias and different sections of campus and then we had it's called the hub which was our like big student center and they had just redone it when I had started my freshman year so that was a big deal it had just reopened and that was the first year they had I think it was Panda Express Hmm. and some other unremarkable Sbarro chain restaurants yeah I remember we had a local sub it was called Joji's after Joe Paterno Hmm. And I can't remember. I think Chick-fil-A. Okay. Chick-fil-A came in. So that was like a big deal. And then they had like a a really, really nice salad bar that was in there. But, you know, the whole thing was like, you know, that was like the expensive food. And, Mm. you know, you could eat in the the common, your your common area for, you know, whatever a swipe cost you at the time. But the cub, it was like real dollars. So you had to be a little bit more budget conscious. Like. And I think that kind of helped a little bit too, at least for me personally, with like things I like, even from like a money thing, where it was like, okay, well, I could go spend a lot of money at the Chick-fil-A or Panda Express, or I could just go to the commons and like save my money. However, I, my dad always put me on like the biggest meal plan because he was always afraid I wasn't going to, you know, eat enough. And then I wound up with ridiculous amounts of points towards the end of the season. So did you have a lot of cafeteria dates with friends? Uh, oh my God, I was like, who so wants to go to the hub? And, you know, <laughs> buying pizzas and making these, like, enormous salads. I was like, I just have to use my points up because they're right. use them or lose them on there. Was there anything, you know, so other than the, the chain restaurants, anything else that stuck out to you? Like, did you ever eat in, like, your traditional, like, cafeteria so, I mean, for so that was in the traditional cafeteria. That was the main cafeteria. Did we, you only have one? No. There was one main one. And then there was another another type of cafeteria that had like a grill in it and some other, I don't know, maybe they did like fried foods, like fries and chicken fingers and things like that. I think it was a little bit more limited, but I think maybe the options were a little bit better than what you'd got in a normal cafeteria. Okay. And maybe they were more expensive too. So it was called the Hawk's Nest, I think. And that was a separate thing. It was kind of in the same building. Didn't have exactly the same offerings. I ate a lot of cheesesteaks in that one. Mm-hmm. Of course, because you're in Philly. And what else would you have? Actually, the I remember the cafeteria or, you know, whatever, the on-campus eateries that would make cheesesteaks often made cheesesteaks better than what I can get today living away from Philadelphia. So you would go back for a cafeteria cheesesteak? I would have a cafeteria cheesesteak over a lot of cheesesteaks I've had and tried around here. Yeah, for sure. All right. Now, I will up you on that one. So at Penn State, we had a creamery. Mm-hmm. A creamery on campus where they made their own ice cream. You saw the cows on one part of campus, and then you walked past the creamery on your way to your classes. So that was definitely like something that I couldn't get anywhere else. And we have great ice cream places here, but it's not Penn State ice cream. Did you ever churn the cream? Did they ever let you do that? No, it wasn't. That's not a rite of passage at Penn State? No. I think if you were in like the dairy farming program, you probably did because 
they, that was part of their curriculum. But no, students didn't get a chance. And at the time, too, you've never saw the original creamery from when I was there. It was a very, very small little thing. And like you could just walk in. It was just a line system. It's like you walk in, you order ice cream and you leave. And then they also and I, I wish I knew this sooner, but they also um, had their own cheeses. And I didn't learn that until like later. And you could also, they made their own cream cheese. So like sometimes I would get a, a bagel there if I was on my way to, to class and I felt like treating myself to a, I'm not going to call it a good breakfast, a, a, something different to have. But mostly I would usually save my creamery chips for like if I had a big exam and I wanted to, to celebrate or maybe the exam didn't go so well. So it was easy to achieve the freshman 15 at Penn State. Penn State, you know, you had to definitely be conscious of, of what you were doing. I mean, yes, you, we had a large campus to walk on. I purposely would try to walk everywhere because our bus called The Loop. It would just be packed with people. And I'd be like, I can walk to class faster than by the time I could actually get onto a bus. So that was something that I was, I was always very conscious of as well. Yeah, there's definitely opportunities. They also put the ice cream in the cafeterias. So you could have ice cream for every meal that you wanted to. Wow. If you felt like it. But I will say that creamer ice cream, every time we go back to Penn State to visit, like I get it and I got to bring it home with me. Enrollment is going up at Penn State as we speak. You want the creamery ice cream. Trust me on that one. When you went to school, did you eat three meals a day like your traditional breakfast, lunch, dinner? Probably not. Breakfast, growing up, I was, I was never really a breakfast person. Like I, I would, going to high school, I would leave the house without really eating anything. It was just never part of my chemistry that like, today I'm very different. Today I need to have like something before I walk out the door or whatever. But yeah, I was probably just holding out until lunch and then having dinner. And then depending on what day of the week it was, if it was on the weekends, there was probably something after dinner, you know, really just the lunch and dinner during the week. Yeah, I was probably the same way because I always had 8 a.m. classes, especially freshman year. Freshman year, you got the 8 a.m.s and the Four or the 5.30s, I forget what the last time slot was. So like eating breakfast was pretty challenging unless you had the time to run and get something, get a bagel. Like usually it was bagel because that was like the fastest thing you could get mm -hmm. and go with it. There was no time to go to the commons ever. I remember having a friend who like me, he was like, he was clockwork breakfast every morning. I'm like, I don't know how you do that. I think eventually I got to the point where one of the first times my parents came to visit me, they took me to the grocery store and I remember stocking up on a ton of cereal so I could at least have something if I felt in the mood to have a breakfast on my way to class. Or I was always getting like those little like the small boxes of cereal so I could mm -hmm. take them with me and eat it during class. But yeah, breakfast was definitely a lacking lunch. I would say definitely sometimes try to do it in the cafeteria, but probably more out and about and then always dinner. Dinner was like the biggest social time. For me, it, it was probably both lunch and dinner. I met a lot of friends having lunch <laughs> or made a lot of no, friends. For some, lunch was always like a very weird time because most people were in the hub and they were usually like heads down, like doing some work, trying to get stuff done, or they were like back in their dorm room. So I don't feel like lunch was a, was a very social mm. time. But dinner, definitely. I remember like lines down the stairs waiting to get in at, at certain times. So I, we used to joke, one of my friends, actually my two friends would always come to our dorm at like five o'clock, 4.55 and be like, we got to go. It's grandma time. We don't want to be in line. <laughs> You were on the early bird special plan? Oh my God. We used to joke all the time. We're like, oh my God, it's grandma time. Wow. Like, at like five o'clock because they always wanted to beat the line. I was always on the other end of the spectrum. I think I was probably going like seven o'clock at night, eight o'clock at night to or whatever. They probably closed that late. But 
as late as you could probably yeah, if go. It, if it was up to me, it was usually like going around like 630 because that's what I was used to growing up. We ate mm-hmm. dinner around 637. So like to eat dinner at five was just weird to me. And like that is definitely a habit that did not stick. <laughs> yeah, clearly. We're not on the early bird specials anymore mm-hmm. for you. Yeah, that's gone away. So because you didn't really spend a lot of time in the cafeteria, you probably didn't learn how to get creative with your food options, did you? I did spend a lot of time in the cafeteria. I don't know what you mean by creative, but, you know, it wasn't like I, well, okay, if you wanted to, you could have like the Burger King chicken sandwich and then follow that up with the Pizza Hut breadsticks. And I know a lot of people who did things like that, or, you know, one friend would always get the Burger King onion rings, but he didn't necessarily eat everything else that was Burger King, right? So I think a lot of other people probably, you know, mixed and matched a little bit more. I was just, I need a sandwich, you know, turkey, cheese, lettuce, tomato, at the time, probably mayo, you know, on a hard roll of some sort that I probably was keeping it simple for lunch because it was probably also a meal that I didn't really want to think about. I just wanted to eat. So I move on. And then more at dinner time is probably when I would get into the cheesesteaks and whatever other foods I was eating at that time. Yeah. So for us, and when I say cafeteria, I mean like your traditional, you know, hot food line item. Mm-hmm. So we had like a hot food line item. And then we had an area where you can make your own sandwich salad salad bar and sometimes they'd have like maybe like whatever like that special of the day item was and I'm blanking out on what some of those things were but for a lot of times like if whatever the hot food item was was not exciting then you're like "Uh oh I gotta get creative so you know some people just went and made like a sandwich of some sort you can make your traditional salad I like to you know, take the best of the worst from the hotline item. So like, I remember there always be this thing, like every couple of weeks on the rotation, there'd be like popcorn chicken, like really obscenely tiny things of chicken that was like more breading than chicken. Mm -hmm. And they were, it was not satisfying at all. So I remember always getting those and then I would like start making a, a, like a salad with it. So at least it was like, okay. This they were like your croutons. They were kind of like, they were, like they chicken, were definitely more like croutons. Chicken croutons. Anything chicken-like. Um, another thing that was always popular was you could always get tortilla chips in the salad bar. So then we would start making like these like nacho creations because there was mm-hmm. a microwave at our cafeteria. So you would go and decorate your nachos and then you can have like nachos for dinner. Um, I believe we may have also had a Belgian waffle maker. Hmm. So you could make like a Belgian, you have Brenner. You could, have, you you could, could have, also have a Belgian waffle sundae for dinner, which there may or may not have been a few nights where the Belgian waffle sundae was dinner. And because I was an 18 year old grown up at the time. And if I want to have a Belgian waffle sundae for dinner, God damn it, I was doing it. Look at you. So either my cafeteria options were superior to those at Penn State, where I didn't need to get creative, or I have really terrible memory, and I don't remember what I actually did or ate at that time. Now, I will say, you know, we had, at the time, there were five main living areas of campus, and the one area was the west side of campus, called West, had the best cafeteria on campus. Why was it the best? Because all of the athletes lived on the west side of campus. So Penn State loves their athletes. We Mm -hmm. want to make sure that they are properly fueled. They have all the right stuff. So their salad bar was like amazing. They had um, freshly cooked pasta, like not pasta that sat in a warmer, like the guy would sit there and Mm -hmm. put it in like the thingy and drop it in the water Mm -hmm. and, you know, oh, let me make sauce and protein mixed into it. Like that was amazing. How many points was that? It was same point, same Uh amount of uh, swipey points. You're talking about swipey points, not like Weight Watchers. Yeah, Yeah. no, it's like swipey points. No, same, same amount of points for that. 
And then the best part of West Campus was they had this warmer contraption with fresh, warm, gooey chocolate chip cookies. Yes. I think we had something like that, too. But this was like, but you didn't have to, like, it was part of the swipe to get in. You weren't paying extra for it. So you like, if you ask anybody who went to Penn State, and I hope to dear goodness they still have this, but ask them about the West Campus cookies. And they would probably be like, If you went to Penn State, hit us up on Twitter. Did What do you think of the ooey gooey cookies from the warmer at Penn State? They were pretty good. And then, you know, again, you could make an ice cream sandwich with your ooey gooey warm chocolate chip. Actually, no, at the time, though, the sandwich was too hard because the ice cream just melted because they were so warm. So Mm -hmm. that was usually like an ice cream, like a sundae, like a cookie sundae. Got it. With it. Got it. So the freshman 20 was real at Penn State. If you didn't get moving, yeah, definitely. Like I said, you had to be pretty smart about it, too. And then brunch was also a favorite meal because brunch was fun. And then I remember on Sundays, the kids from the restaurant school would come and make omelets. Oh, nice. All right. Yeah, well, we would have omelets, but they were just like cafeteria omelets. I don't think anybody was making a career out of the omelets they were making at the St. Joe's cafeteria. No, I didn't learn about this until probably my junior year of campus. We actually had a restaurant on campus that was student-run from the management to the chefs, the cooks, all of it. That was definitely a little bit more on the expensive swipe side. Oh, you could do, do that with the swipe. You could do everything with a swipe at Penn State. So at the hub, everything there from the like the Chick-fil-A and Panda Express was all swipe. All the cafeterias, the fancy student restaurant. We also had like a late night thing or, or I'm going to call them like on camp, like small convenience stores. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you could do everything with your cards. So like having cash on you was pretty foreign, which is, I think, one of the reasons I very rarely carry ca- ever carry cash on me now. Mm-hmm. That's was, the excuse. Yes. That's what you're going to go was with. Was because of that. And then we also had on your student, because everything lived on your student ID. Yeah. So your meal points were on your student ID. And then you also had this thing called Lion Cash, which was a chip, which at the time no one knew what the heck a chip was. And I was like, what do I do with this chip thing? And that you could use off campus. Nice. All right. So you're like, you take Lion Cash. So when you were in college, would you say you were exposed to any new foods that maybe you didn't really have when you were growing up? Certainly not in a healthy way. I, I'll say this. I think my love of Chinese food, which we've talked about a few times already on this podcast, started in college because I don't remember growing up having even good enough Chinese food where it was like, I've got to have this on a regular basis, right? It was like, I remember having it once in a while. But never really being all that impressed with it. It was just more like, okay, we're going to have Chinese food. It's something to eat. And I'm going to be happy with that. But I think, you know, we had better Chinese restaurants or maybe I was exposed to better Chinese food dishes from other people. And so I guess the love affair began at St. Joe's. I would say that. Mm, That's where it started. That's where it started. That's one thing I can say that I got exposed to in college that I probably didn't, it felt like the world of Chinese food had opened up before my eyes. Mm. And I was like, oh, I thought this other stuff was Chinese food. No, this is Chinese food. So that was usually a big social thing was maybe once a week, maybe every other week, that was like a big thing. Like our whole dorm, like our floor would all like get together and place an order for for Chinese food and have like a little like Chinese food feast, which I thought was, that was always fun. It was like, because again, like I didn't grow up in a house where like we got food delivered very often. But my, still to this day, my favorite part was the guy would always call as he was leaving the restaurant. Be like, you'll be at Loading Dock in 10 minutes. <laughs> so you bring that up sidebar. So we would prank call each other claiming to be the Chinese restaurant. It was called Shiwan. And when they would answer the phone, they would say, Shiwan help you? 
And so you would, there would, oh, man, there would, and there would be times where one person would call somebody else's room. And like, remember when back, you know, this is before cell phones. So like you had on campus phones and there was one ring if it was on campus and yeah, another on, ring if it was off campus. campus ring, yeah. It would be an on campus ring. Yet the other person wouldn't realize that it was on campus instead of off campus. And there were some practical jokes on false orders that were claimed to have been ordered. Come get your order. I didn't order Chinese food. And you, hilarity ensued. And then I also remember, too, like, you know, ordering pizza was a big thing, too. I think, like, you moved in on, like, move-in day. You got, like, your Chinese menu, your pizza menu. And I think we had, I remember it was the Penn State sub shop. So we had, uh, they had, like, cheesesteaks. And I will say I had never been exposed to a cheesesteak prior to being at Penn State. So that was something new. Your world got uh, opened up. So yeah, and then that, and you know, I still don't eat beef, so I was having like the chicken cheesesteaks, and they were they were good. And I will say, I've definitely had some good ones out there compared to some that they've had around out here in New Jersey. Yeah. So you know, we're we're not known for it, our cheesesteaks. If you're entrepreneurial and you're by the Jersey Shore, two things that we need desperately around here are great Chinese food and great cheesesteaks. Hook us up. Well, I for one definitely be looking forward to getting some good cheesesteaks and. Chinese food here at the Jersey Shore. And I think that about wraps up our part one of our college life series. Stay tuned for next week where we talk about late night eats, parties, some hangover cures, and how fitness did or maybe did not work into our college lifestyles. Thanks again so much for tuning into today's podcast. As always, you can hit us up at podcast at nutritionnuptials.com if you'd like to send us an email with any comments or questions or to share your college stories. And if you'd like more information about working with your significant other, you can head on over to nutritionnuptials.com where I share information about how to work together with your significant other, recipes, fitness, and more. And if you would like to connect with us on social media, head on over. I can be followed at Mandy Enright RD on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube. And you can follow the official Taco and Mandy hashtag, which is hashtag Adventures of Taco and Mandy, where you can see what Taco and I do behind the scenes. Thank you so much for following our show. And if you'd like to become a show supporter, head on over to patreon.com to the Nutrition Nuptials page, where you can get access to special events going on, such as our VIP after party Facebook group, where I do events like monthly Ask a Dietitian shows. And there are tons of other benefits as well when you become a show patron. Also, just for fun and for free, I am going to post up on our Patreon page a poll where you can tell us whether or not you were a Pacey fan, a Dawson fan, a Brandon fan, or a Dylan fan. So we want to hear from you which uh, Dawson's Creek or 90210 teen heartthrob you were all about as you were growing up. And that can be found again over on patreon.com slash nutrition nuptials. That is a free poll for anybody to check out and participate in. Thanks again so much. And we will see you part two of our college series. Mm